Cauldron Cakes and Wine listeners has 94% alcohol in it. Woo! <laughs> because that's what we're using. I, I want to point out that I didn't say drinking. I said using. Using. Salad. <laughs> I'm using this wine as well. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Cauldron Cakes and Wine a Harry Potter podcast. My name is Polly. And I'm G. This is a podcast where we discuss all things Harry Potter. We are two witches who are rereading the books and critically analyzing them. And this week, we are brought to you by Zoom. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we'll be discussing Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, chapters 9 to 16. Please be aware that this podcast is marked as explicit, meaning that we cover adult themes. We occasionally swear and sometimes talk about sensitive subjects. Be sure to check the description for content warnings. Also be warned, there are spoilers ahead. We're discussing chapter 9 to 16, but also go rogue and talk about all seven books and extended universe things. You've been warned. To start off, I just want to do a couple housekeeping things. The first thing is just that we are recording this over Zoom, so the audio might be a little bit different but like let's face it if you're still here listening you've put up with many audio issues over the past little bit so it couldn't be any different <laughs> um but just bear with us a little bit um also sorry that we haven't been uploading lately very regularly things are a little crazy um as i'm sure you all are very aware of <laughs> we're doing our best Hope you're staying safe out there. That's the main thing that matters. <laughs> yes. yes, take this time to do your own Harry Potter marathon and book Literally. Reviews. Yeah, reread the yeah. books. They're great. Yeah, let us know. Maybe, like, start with the first one. I mean, why would you not start with the first one? But that one's so happy. Just read that one. Only that one. Okay. <laughs> or or the seventh, part two of the seventh movie is really, mm, that's that'll true. give you life. Part yeah. two of the seventh book and the seventh movie will give you life. So if you're listen, if you're looking for something else to listen to during this time, um, binge mode Harry Potter is amazing, um, and their like episodes on the last book are literally like it's like listening to like poetry. They read like quotes from the books mixed in with like their thoughts and opinions, and like it's it's like this moving artwork. It's so beautiful to listen to, and it like gives you life because it's the like end of the book, and it's like. Oh. Oh, that's fantastic. Is there another podcast that they could listen to as well? That's a wonderful segue. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are officially now two Cauldron Cakes and Wine podcasts. There's this one, which is Cauldron Cakes and Wine, a Harry Potter podcast, and Cauldron Cakes and Wine Bedtime Stories. So if you're looking for something to help you fall asleep, you can go there. And it's basically just the first episode is a walk, like guided meditation through Hogwarts. And I'm going to do more. It's probably going to be one for the Shire, thinking maybe something with the TARDIS, something, yeah, I don't know. The idea is to go around to, like, different fantasy things, and it'll help you fall asleep in your favorite <gasps> places. I <laughs> love that. That's fantastic. I yeah. will be listening to it for sure. If anyone has any ideas of where else to go, let me know. Under the sea. <laughs> Literally. Oh, my gosh. Little mermaid. <laughs> But not actually, because I think Disney might sue you. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. Literally. <laughs> Segment one, the Pensieve. 
we sift through our real-life memories being a part of the Harry Potter fandom. Um, okay, shall we get started? We shall. Let's shall then. Um, um, I've kind of talked about all of my memories with this book. Um, it was just my favorite book for a long time until Order of the Phoenix came out, basically. Did you have any, any other memories? I do. I do. I remember... I don't remember what grade I was in. It would have been before high school. And I I read this book and I watched the movie and I, I, I've struggled with anxiety for a really long time. And I loved the idea of the Patronus so much that I, since then, I've wanted to get Expecto Patronum tattooed on my side. Nice. And just it's a tool that I've used to help with anxiety that can be really effective when I remember to use it. So yeah. I was thinking... Get, getting pinned with needles would be a, a good reminder to um, um, use that and to project happy moments through times of hardship. Yeah, 100%. So I'm going to edit the name of this person out, but it's, she has like, had, she's been dealing with like chronic pain and mental health issues and she's a teenager and she really likes Harry Potter. And she one time told, um, told Brownie that she uses the Patronus, like the idea of it to ward off her like bad thoughts and like scary thoughts. I love that. That's yeah. so powerful. That's amazing. It's a cool tool. Like if a kid, if kids like Harry Potter, I think it's a, like something that definitely could be utilized for like anybody out there who works with kids. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the chocolates come up in the book about dementors and to ward off dementors. I, I don't like chocolate and I'm allergic to it, but I find yeah. that the, uh, even the idea of like, okay, something bad has happened. Now do an act of self care. Mm-hmm. That translates really well. I think. Yeah. I know with like really young kids, like at camp, I used to do this thing. I don't, I actually don't interact with as many kids at camp anymore, but with like the like Hawthorne age, which is like six to seven, sometimes if kids were like really like homesick, I would do this thing with them called foo kisses. And basically it's like you close your eyes and you think about the person who you miss and then you yell, you go foo and you send them a kiss. Like, (gasps) dear God, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard in my (laughs) life. I will be doing that with myself. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like kind of silly, so it takes their mind off of it, like kind of a little bit. <laughs> oh. It's like acknowledging, like, like, yeah, you do miss this person, and we're gonna like do something kind of silly. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good way to like to. I don't. My hands know what I want to say, but it, yeah, to kind of like switch the tone of the conversation yes. a little bit without like kind of demeaning them or making like devalidating how they're feeling I guess yeah no it's completely validating it's like yeah. you have this issue I can't do anything about it because we're not calling anybody right now yeah but <laughs> y- you can you can it's like yeah give it ownership too obviously if you do it with a kid who's like too old then they're gonna look at you like you're stupid and they're just gonna be like that is devalidating me like like it's yeah no. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh like yeah. A young enough kid who still kind of believes in like the like fairy magic and Santa Claus and all of that. It's like great. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah, I could I could see a teen over hearing that and just being like, "That's so f- dumb. That's so dumb. Let's <laughs> stop." <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Okay, that's all I got. Like, do you have anything else for the pensive? No. Okay. Oh, um, other than crying when Bucky dies. Oh my god. Like, it's actually really traumatic like jesus i was i was like this cannot happen i remember just how oh this this goes in um not spew howler but i just remember being so angry that 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 would let 
that they would let um garbage face <laughs> do that <laughs> like oh, be so disrespectful God. and get away with it yeah i know it's <laughs> i can't I can't it's it's traumatic it's actually kind of fucked up that they allow a executioner on the school property and kill an animal on the school in front property. of children yeah like that's like bananas. To, to be fair like they don't know that harry ron and hermione are there because they're under the invisibility cloak but like couldn't people see it from like ha- like a window or something like what if a kid saw yeah. that's traumatic yeah. like it was traumatic reading about it it's traumatic now that you've reminded me about it it's horrible literally also what else is horrible is that only movies five six seven and seven part two are on netflix right that's also horrible like what yeah wrong with these people (laughs) yeah off off record i was gonna watch it and then help it but i could not (laughs) literally (laughs) it's really upsetting Segment two, Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans. This segment covers general thoughts about the chapters we have read. You're never really sure what you're going to get. Um, general thoughts. So at some at a certain point, Harry is playing Quidditch and it's like raining a lot. And he does like they call a timeout and he basically can't see because the rain's hitting his glasses. And Hermione shows up out of nowhere. And is just like, here, I'll fix it for you. And like puts a spell on his glasses. And I was like, of course, Hermione shows up out of nowhere. This girl shows up and fixes his glasses like every time they're broken. I Like this is like a metaphor. Like Hermione, like J.K. Rowling wants you to know that Hermione ne- needs Harry to see clearly more. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I wish my like. face could be translated into words. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because like literally that's the every first time. thing she ever does. She does she yeah. fixes his glasses. She's constantly fixing his glasses. She's yeah. like, fuck, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Oh, oh. It's like if Ron had glasses, I would fix them every day. <laughs> Do you know anyone, Polly, who needs their glasses to be fixed? <laughs> Try. Well, there's a, there's a lot of people in this world. <laughs> Something that I had written down to bring up later, but I think goes better now. Um... I've seen a lot of people comparing Trump to the Ministry of Magic, mm-hmm. where like they increase security measures too late, or they just do the exact opposite of what needs to be done. Yeah, they deny that anything is even a problem, okay. and then yeah. once it's out of control, they blame everybody else, basically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. I'm about right. It's just I don't I don't want to touch that right now because we'll we'll get heated and off track. Yeah. But I, I, just, I, I mean, we, still, we like, had to, we still had to have it in there. You literally you you had to read the rant I sent about Trump defunding the World Health Organization. Uh, we're not going to sure. start talking about this right. No, now. we're not going to start talking about this right now. We're not. We're not. We all want to sleep eventually. We all want to sleep. I thought it was kind of cool that like on the marauders map it's not just people who show up their names it's also ghosts and cats and like dogs (gasps) that's fantastic like crookshanks is on the map and the ghosts are on the map as well whoa i think this is a comment from the internet it's not my own thought um i agree with it i think it's cute but ron's brothers had the map that entire time and to them it looks like ron's been sleeping with a boy Oh my god, that's so true. Not my not my comment, but I literally like, yeah, would. Wouldn't they have been like, "Who's this person in Ron's bed all the time?" That like, we don't know. Yeah, like the, I don't under. Yeah, like it. 
doesn't make any sense. No. It's a plot hole. That's what that is. (laughs) Okay, we're not going down that either because... Our neck, our, our, we could, we can have a special episode where we just do plot holes. Oh my god, please! Or can we do one on um a, a special episode on fan theories? Oh yeah, we can do one on fan theories and plot holes. That's something that I would be motivated to do during the pandemic. I would love to do that. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and then we could like add in other conspiracy theories and how they would or could affect Hogwarts. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, like did nine eleven also increase security at Hogwarts? <laughs> I gotta think about it. I mean, probably not because Hogwarts is already the safest place. Okay, that's a lie, and you're wrong. Okay, it's a lie, and you're wrong. Uh, Yeah. Also, on the topic of the Marauders map, I if I were Ron, I would never forgive Fred and George for giving the map to Harry. I would be so yeah, yeah. Like, why does he get everything? He gets the invisibility cloak. He gets the like, map. You're my brothers. You could have just given it to me, and then I would have used it to get Harry into Hogsmeade. That would be suspicious, though. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Someone, we have been on TikTok too much. <laughs> For everyone out there, we are the. I'm well, maybe not as much you. You're closer to Gen Z than I am, but. <laughs> I'm the wave of millennials that is uh, taking over TikTok. No, I'm still a millennial. I don't want to be a Gen Z. Gen Zs are stupid. Gen Zs are the ones that are still partying on spring break. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. That's how the media is portraying Gen Zs right now. Gen Z are very passionate and they care a lot about things that are very important and they're very articulate in their thoughts and they're very cool content creators. Those are my positives about Gen Z. Yes. Yes. I, I agree with all of those. And I think that you're all going to take over the world one day because you actually care. Yeah. And you have been beaten down by everything that millennials yeah, have already been. You're not quite as apathetic down. as us millennials yet. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great. And stay that way, please. please. We need that. Please do. Please. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> Basically, as usual, I felt like someone should have had a conversation with Harry and explained why Sirius Black was actually after him or why they think Black is after him and children understand more than we're giving them credit like they're giving credit for and Mm -hmm. this was something that he was bound to figure out and hear eventually that one of his parents best friends ultimately got them killed that was probably something he should have heard from a trusted caregiver and yeah the fact that they think that he wouldn't be able to handle it after already hearing that his parents had been killed is beyond me. Like, if he can handle hearing that, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, they don't want him not to not, they don't want him to then turn around and not trust his own friends, because I could see that happening. It's true. Like, oh, my parents couldn't trust their best friends, now I can't trust anybody. But, like, that, someone needs to have that conversation with him. Like, that's not an overhearing conversation. Yeah. There's also just to me, Harry is a very curious, very nosy kid who ends up in situations constantly that he shouldn't be in, and they already know this about him. So, like, how did you think he wasn't going to find this out? Like, I feel like we've said this before, but just poor parenting skills and 
Yeah. Just for, but like who and who who is parenting Harry really other than Molly and McGonagall? Like now, like, but who who's parenting Harry? And it's like he's parented by one adult, and then he's parented by another adult, and those adults don't have a conversation. Yeah, it's not it's like he like, has like parents who are like. It's not like he has like caregivers who are like co-parenting. Like, no. it's not like McGonagall's like talking to Molly and talking to Arthur, being like, "Hey, like, yeah. what happened over the summer? I'm gonna take over guardianship at school." You know, like, cool. yeah, like yeah. it's like it's like the healthcare system that's like, "I'm gonna go over here and take care of this, and you're gonna go over here and take care of that." But there's yeah, we're getting there, we're getting there with case meetings, but it's like I feel like Harry's life is just like could have been fixed by a case meeting. Literally, if like <laughs> literally a couple key adults, like if. Molly and Arthur sat down with Dumbledore, Lupin, and McGonagall. Like, and maybe just throw Dumbledore in there because he keeps fucking shit up a little bit. Like, just like have have. Especially later on in the books when Dumbledore has. Yeah. 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 Like, like this is this is the role of a child and youth care worker. Is what I want. I want for Harry's. I want him to have a CYC to just. Have a meeting with everybody. Literally, right? Like, Not too much to ask. We exist. <laughs> we exist. <laughs> well, Harry could have benefited so much. Yes. Speaking of the teachers, I feel I found it really, really interesting because they have this like Christmas dinner. Mm. I found it really interesting that most of the teachers don't go anywhere for the Christmas holidays. Like a lot of the core teachers are all there at that table, which I find bizarre. Are they, are they, are they, maybe did they just come back for the students' Christmas dinner? Do they put the students' needs ahead of theirs? Are they maybe. all just really lonely? I don't know. I don't understand. We don't have a lot of backstory. I want to know more about these teachers' lives outside of Hogwarts. Like, none of them have children. Or, I mean, where are their children if they do have them? Why are they there all, all, during the holidays? Are they just the appointed ones? Like, does it rotate through maybe? Like, because there needs to be guard, like, people there for the kids who are already there. Like, I just... Could I, they Could they be those adults that take care of everyone else's kids and because they're taking care of everyone else's kids, they don't want to have their own kids? Hashtag not, me. Not be, <laughs> hashtag, that's what I was going to ask. What, yeah. That's where I was going. But, like, because, because they're spending so much time and emotional energy on everyone else's children, don't want to not... Don't yeah. want to have a kid because they can't give them as much as they'd want to give a kid because they're... Yeah, parenting everyone else. Did they make that sacrifice? I can see McGonagall doing that. Mm-hmm. Or do you think that they're just so passionate about teaching that it became their life? Like, I don't. Maybe. I yeah, know. it's it's kind I mean, of crazy. Like, like <laughs> I see teachers in real life who's who yeah. just teach because, like, especially like higher up special ed or like ones that are just always at school, always doing. Mm-hmm. school because there's just no time yeah for even partners sometimes yeah it's crazy yeah um so that's interesting to me i want to know more about the teachers but we'll never get that mm. from jk rowling um <laughs> even if we do it won't make any sense nope. <laughs> there's a quote harry gets a firebolt and then hermione goes and tells mcgonagall and it is described uh, like Harry describes this, like sort of in his head, as saying, um, "Harry knew that Hermione had meant well, but that didn't stop him from being angry with her." I'm gonna take a drink. And I was like, "Lol, every boy ever." Not ever. No, 
Oh, no. There's a boy in the room. <laughs> I mean, it's like a rational. Okay, moving on. Okay, well, yeah, we'll come back. We'll come back. When Harry gets his fireball, basically he becomes the King Quidditch jock. And I just like, it was the biggest eye roll. Like, literally, he's like walking through the school and everyone wants to touch his firebolt. And like, in grade 10 summer school, Nikhil and I took grade 11 English because we like it and it was fun. But the teacher um, was fantastic, but she ruined Harry Potter for us because she was like, the brooms and Harry Potter are just phallic symbols. Oh my god. That's kind of true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so are wands. So are wands. So are oh yeah. So are wands. Yeah. But like the like I have a broom now and it's the best broom and like that's completely it's the biggest broom. It's the, it's the nicest best. Weakest broom. Yeah, signed broom. It's the and you don't really want the fastest broom before taking it in a sexual way, but like, you know, like <laughs> you like <laughs> Oh gosh. Durable. Yeah. In the last book we talked about how Hermione was missing a lot of the time. Like she just mm-hmm. was there. She was in the hospital wing for a lot of the book. And I felt like she was also kind of absent in this book too. Like She's so busy with everything, and there's a divide between her, Harry, and Ron because they're arguing about this or that, and she's always doing something else. And it's just like, what? I don't understand why she's make like J.K. Rowling's making this choice again to completely segregate one of the main characters of the book. Like, <laughs> it's just kind of frustrating. Like, I mean, like. They were writing out Neville because he, the J.K. Rowling sees him as a joke sometimes, I feel. Yeah. And now it's like she's writing out Hermione because it's easier to write out female characters. Literally. And it's easier for her to put, like, the bitch trope on her than to, yeah. like, continue to develop her, which is pretty shitty. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not great. No. It's not, not, I don't have words that aren't yeah. children yeah. words right now. I was going to say Gucci. And then I was going to say, I don't know what else I was going to say, suave, suave, but those are two very separate generations. It's not kosher. It's not kosher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, No, just stop with the tropes. But again, we're talking about something that was written in the 90s and early 2000s. I know. I know. Which isn't a constant. I feel like it's a constant. Yeah, you constantly have to be reminding yourself that. I mean, get it? It's not an excuse, but it's a reason. Like, Yeah. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference between an excuse and a reason. Yeah. So on a general random point, I I guess that's what this whole segment is about. Um, I don't understand the Quidditch point system because basically, like, when Slytherin and and Gryffindor play their last game, Harry has to wait until till Gryffindor is 50 points up because something about like the accumulated points throughout the entire like Quidditch cup basically like like Gryffindor is negative 50 points at the start of the game because they'd lost by a certain amount of points in another game and I just don't understand it like don't you just normally do like a round robin and whoever wins wins and whoever loses loses like that was never a rule that I was aware of until then Unless yeah. it was, unless they're kind of being, unless it's like a, a tournament. No, but even round robin. It's just like the winner plays, 
goes against a winner. Of, like, yeah. So it, it, that's dumb. I don't understand it. I just plot hole, break down all the plot holes. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a plot hole. I think she did it to try and build suspense or something, but it's just... Yeah, but you can't just introduce new rules. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I like like rules being set and staying that way, or (laughs) or being frequently updated with a notice or a memo about the rules changes. Yeah. Not... not, Exactly. Not not being updated with the rules changes. (laughs) Segment three, Dumbledore's blunders. We discuss the good and the bad of our friend Dumbledore. So I only had one point for this, and it's just basically when they think that Black has got into the school, they move all of the kids into the Great Hall to sleep in the Great Hall. And then all of the teachers go out, and they start <laughs> looking and searching the school for Black. And basically, so there's a potential mass murderer in the school, and Dumbledore leaves the prefix to guard all of the students, and he leaves the head boy and girl in charge. And they're like 17. You couldn't yeah. have like one or two teachers there? Like, not even one teacher in charge? I mean, like, did they lock the door? Oh, no, never mind. Locking the doors doesn't actually work. <laughs> like, they have no, magic. Is bad. Like, and, and then, like, you didn't think you needed to send, like, an owl to the ministry and get maybe some aurors to come into the school? Like, like, like wizard police? Like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, they really sent, they sent for nobody. They <laughs> sent for nobody. And we already know that Dementors can come onto the premises. And they sent nobody. And, like, it was in the papers that Black was... Like they said, no, but they said, no, but they said, you would think like, okay, so like, think about it, think about it this way. If you're at a boarding school and like a known serial killer came into the school. Yeah. You would call the police. I would go, no, no, I wouldn't. I would go into lockdown. I would secure everything. They would go into lockdown and then they would call the police. Leave adults in charge of children and then we'll call the police. If a mass murderer came into the pool, I would put everybody into the storage room, lock everything and then call the police call for reinforcements but i would make sure that there was someone watching everybody else because that's my legal responsibility as an adult is to protect the children in my care right you wouldn't just leave like the oldest kid in charge (laughs) i mean like i leave the oldest kid in charge when i have to go get flutterboards i'm like you do the stretching and then i go and get my shit and then i come back there, that's not a potential emergency <laughs> no 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 they're on dry land they're on yeah. dry land oh god this is and even a- then i run yeah so that's all i have to say basically um <laughs> segment four howler we may not be Molly Weasley screaming and stop! Don't look at me like that at you! We have one. Howler. We may not be Molly. We could give her a red Oh my gosh, you have to start over. That's no fault you can't take it. We were doing so good. We were on such a roll. Howler. We may not be Molly Weasley screaming in the Great Hall, but we could give her a run for her money as we go over the things that made us angry from the text. We're moving into Howler. Okie dokie. Oliver Wood gives me so much stress. I could not handle hanging out with someone like him. Everything is about Quidditch, and he's, like, so high tense about it. It's I just can't. Yeah. He he takes it too seriously. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. It's stressful. People who take everything really, really seriously are very stressful. Oh, 100%. Like, I can't. It's too much. Buckbeak, the hippogriff. No, 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 no. Why is it, like, that they go to the absolute extreme that they have to kill this animal? Why couldn't they just have moved it off of the Hogwarts grounds away from children? Like, I just... I think that she might have been touching or poking at the the laws with dogs during that time where if a dog bit a child or an or a person that had to be put yeah. down like yeah. i think she could have drawn a parallel from there but i think she could have also used common sense and just not done that because it's a children's book it's yeah it's a children's book look at the end of the day like this book is for preteens don't do that the kids in this book are 13 years old like i <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk more about, I'm going to talk later in Spew about what I think she was trying to do with that. Um, okay. But okay. I, I just, it bothers me. It really, like, like it was, it was traumatic to read. Like, I, it, I was. it is. It's traumatic to still think about. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. I feel like all I've done during this quarantine is like, people have come to me really angry and I've been like, rationalize, validate, let go. <laughs> I feel like that's what we're doing. Just <laughs> made me angry. Yeah, that is angering. What yeah. can you control in this situation? <laughs> what, can what? what can't you do? <laughs> I feel like, okay, so Neville basically writes down all of the passwords to the common room, and then Sirius Black tries, breaks in using the piece of paper that he'd wrote it all down on. And then Neville gets, like, severely punished for this, and I feel like he was being punished for an adult's oversight. They put a painting in charge of the common room who was unreasonable. He would change the password so many times that Neville could not possibly remember it, and he was already a kid who couldn't really remember it to begin with sometimes. Then he wrote them down, and Sirius Black got his hands on it, but that means that Sirius Black was able to be in the school, on school property to get that piece of paper yeah and then they put all of these security measures in afterwards so why weren't those security measures put in in the first place why wasn't there a more reasonable password system for the gryffindor common room the fact that he's made to stand outside he's not allowed to have any of the passwords after that and he's made to stand outside in the hall to wait for someone to let him in is just really really sad to me like i it's really, it's dehumanizing and it's not fair, but I also think that if anyone, if the school is at risk of, like, a mass murderer coming into them, that um, they um, they should be using the buddy system anyways. Probably, so that that, yeah. prob- that problem could have been avoided in the first place if they had taken, like, regular, like, not regular, um, appropriate measures to, yeah. to enact safety features for the children. If they had been made to use the buddy system, it wouldn't have been an issue to begin with. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're all on the same page here. We're all on the same page. <laughs> Man, if only somebody who had worked with, actually worked with kids wrote these books. <laughs> no, it wouldn't have been a good book then. Then we wouldn't have a podcast. Wouldn't be able to sit here and be like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> be like, oh, what a reasonable chapter book. Okay, so Hermione clearly has taken on way too much in this book. Um, and I think 
maybe they wanted Hermione to learn a lesson about taking on too many things, um, which I think is a really important lesson for a kid like her to learn. But this should have been followed up with, with constant check-ins with her and encouragement to take on less things as she was starting yeah. to get too overwhelmed. Um, we see her act very unhermione like She literally like kicks open the trap door and storms out of divination and quits class. She slaps Draco. She literally does absolutely nothing except for work. She doesn't even interact with her friends at some certain points. Like it's just very clear that she's taken on way too many things. Like it's and no Again, one checks in with her. Like if they had child and youth care workers at Hogwarts, then But they also um, have heads of houses and McGonagall <laughs> should have checked on her. She should have. She should have. You have a child who is taking on an extraordinary amount of work. You should check yeah. on them regularly. And yeah. I, I wonder if McGonagall was even privy. To, oh, they. she must have been. Yeah, I think so. Were the other the professors privy, privy that she was using the time turner? They had to have been. She was in, like, every single class. Like, she was taking classes yeah. at the same time block. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, like... <laughs> on her... Yeah. No. It's just a bit much. Like, I... It's too much. And, like, it would have been appropriate if they had done that and let her start out with all of them. And as she began to struggle, as she inevitably would have, to yeah. then sit down and be like, what are you really enjoying? What do you think is really useful? What mm -hmm. don't you think is as useful or enjoyable? And what can we get rid of to take a, yeah. um, a, a schedule load that's congruent with the rest of your classmates? Literally. Like, she should like it should have just been a constant check-in with her. Like, yeah. You can't just give a kid every single class and completely overwhelm them and then not check in with them. Like, no, I bought all the stickers I wanted to at Dollarama yesterday. I bought five ones. And I'm <laughs> overwhelmed by all of those stickers. Like, I can't imagine taking all of the classes at the same time with a time term. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> it's interesting how reading it now, though, like, I, my my perception has very much changed when I was, I think, younger and I read the book. Like, a lot of those moments that are actually supposed to be, like, you know, you're supposed to be, like, whoa, like, that's weird that Hermione's acting that way. Those moments are, like, hurrah moments. Like, you're, like, thank yeah, God she told off Trelawney. Thank God. Like, thank God. Yeah, Draco. Thank fucking God. And, like, now that I'm an adult and I look at it, I'm, like, okay, no, this is a kid who is acting so unlike herself. And it's yeah. because she's totally overwhelmed. This was not a great idea. Because <laughs> not only is she taking on every single class, she's also time traveling. If she fucked something up, she could like permanently damage like a time, a time wave. Literally, like that has got like to be a time wave. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not just like oh, you know, Hermione's taking like a thousand classes. It's like no, no, no. She's playing with space and time, and like if if yeah. something goes wrong, she's gonna fuck up this whole timeline. Literally, like watch Community. Like timelines are. It was very oh. complicated. Very complicated. Watch Doctor Who. Very complicated. Yeah, yeah. Like, like oh god, very careful bad things the, happen. The wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Like, be careful. Basically, Ron finds like bloody sheets and Crookshank's hair in the bed, and he's very very mad, and he thinks that 
like Crookshanks killed Scabbers, which is a reasonable conclusion to draw. Um, I do think that his reaction is totally overboard. Like, I mean, I, like, I get it. Like, we talked about this before in the last episode. Like, if you thought your pet died, it would be very upsetting. But, like, I mean, they go to visit, like, Hagrid, and Hagrid brings up a very good point where he's like, you're mad at Hermione for her cat acting like a cat? <laughs> it's the truth. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, okay. Why? Sorry. On a different point. On, <laughs> to build on this. Why? Okay, it's totally normal to let a cat free roam around your living space. It is not normal to keep your fucking rat in your pocket all the time. You need to. You should have, a cage. You should have that in a cage in your bedroom, and then your cat, the cat, won't get the rat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should, if you're taking proper a, if you're taking proper care of your rat, then this wouldn't happen inversely. So that's on you. It's B. Whereas, like the cat's acting totally normal. Cats free roam. Like you don't keep a cat in a cage. Like yes exactly no one just lets their rat just hang out in their pocket like that's fucking weird for like half an hour at a time and then they go back home yeah but no ron carries this rat around with him all <laughs> no, the time. I know, I know, really I know. weird it is weird you're right you're right it is weird it's weird it's weird um so i have an example a current living example situation where um i've recently moved into my partner's basement and me and him and my kitten She's cat. She's six. Are sharing the 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 basement and one bathroom. Now Nelly likes to wake up at five or six o'clock every morning, and this has become an issue because to wake everybody up, she scratches the couches. And oh. I'm living in a fort right now because it's the pandemic. I'm gonna fucking live in a fort if I want to. But she's been pushing down the mattress. She's been climbing on the couch, and then my partner and I get waking up at five or six, and neither of us are happy, and she's damaging property. So it's not good. So we've gotten into this system of one of us will put her in kitty jail, which is the bathroom, but she doesn't like being in the bathroom and I don't like her being in the bathroom. So when she gets put in kitty jail, I take my pillow and blanket and her favorite blanket and I go and sleep on the bathroom floor with her in kitty jail. Oh my God. I don't like, I don't like her being alone. Oh, anyway, that's really cute her. though. She's my favorite. This is, she's, she's my everything. Um, she's a brat, but she's my, she, I love her so much. Anyway, so a couple mornings ago, I woke up and I was pissed off because I did not want to go and sleep on the bathroom floor because I was going to go out shopping and I was like germs and I was stuck in my head and I was like, Bleh. and I was like, I don't want to punish Nellie for being a cat. That's ridiculous. Like she doesn't understand the implications. I didn't train her well enough. It's my fault. And I was just frustrated and pissed off. Anyways, my partner and I are sharing this bathroom, and I didn't want to go lay in the bathroom with Nelly because it smelled like poop. So I was super bitchy and super mean, and he let me bitch about it for, like, probably hours off and on. And we were finally leaving because we are going to go run errands that day. We were leaving, and I got to the car, and I was like, I think a solution would be for us to poop on the main floor bathroom instead. I was like, this is reasonable because it's only a flight of stairs above the basement, right? Um, like half a flight because it's on the landing. And he gave me a hug, and he's like, I did. I did oh. poop on the main floor bathroom in the middle of the night. <laughs> so I bitched for four hours consecutively on and off about not pooping in the bathroom when it was I who pooped in the bathroom. Oh my god, that's really funny. So I've learned that you should check yourself before you wreck yourself because 
he was an angel and I was just a dick. That's really funny. <laughs> That's my story. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let the cats be cats and don't get involved. We've resolved the issue and she's um she's got her nails trimmed and she's fine now. But fair enough. That's good. <laughs> Segment five. Remember all. Here we talk about the things we forgot. Basically, the dementors get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I'm not gonna go into like talking about the real depression. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna go too deep into it because I feel like last time we went really deep on this subject and we're not going to go there again. <laughs> but yeah. the it's main awesome. thing that I just didn't really remember was the Dementor's Kiss. It sounds yeah. really, really terrifying. It sounds like when you're so dissociated that you know that something could help you, but you just don't even want to because you can't even get there. Okay. So another thing that stood out to me was when they were starting to add security measures after Black got into the school. Mm-hmm. Flitwick is described as teaching the front doors what Sirius Black looked like. What does that mean? The front doors of the school? You were teaching them what someone looked like. Are they sentient? Like, I... Do <laughs> <laughs> you have a page number for that? I don't. Oh, let me try and find it. Um, it would have been after the Quidditch match. Oh, that Quidditch match. In Snape's Grudge? Um, yeah, it would have been in Snape's Grudge. After he gets caught going back from Hogsmeade? No, here it is. It's on page, um, well, it's the first page of chapter 14. Ah. Um, it says, Flitwick could be seen teaching the front doors to recognize a large picture of Sirius Black. It's in the yeah i see that Second paragraph yeah she's just throwing stuff in like these rules in the quidditch game that weren't there before and now that the front doors are sentient like what and if the castle is sentient sentient why wasn't he kept out earlier why weren't they given a hit list you know how bars have like those like do not enter this person's been kicked out like right? why doesn't Hogwarts have that i don't know it's very weird why wouldn't they have taught this? Anyways, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But what does that mean? And if they can teach the doors who not to enter, then why didn't they do that as soon as they found out that he could be possibly on the loose? This is what I'm talking about when I'm like, okay, we're really punishing Neville here, but like, there should have been more safety regulations in the first place. This is like Trump blaming um, the World Health Organization on coronavirus. <laughs> we're not going there again. Remember, we're not going there. <laughs> but that's what it is. You Don't know get me started. <laughs> oh, God. No, you're right, though. <laughs> you know I'm right. <laughs> so one of my other questions that I... I don't know if we're going to get an answer to this or I don't know. Maybe you can Google it. What exactly <gasps> is Crookshanks? Because like Crookshanks this, is a cat. I understand that, G. But this cat like seems to know that Ron's rat is Peter Pettigrew. This cat is like targeting the rat. It is fixated on it. It's laser focused. And I'm pretty sure this cat same? meets up with, with Sirius Black. Like, I, you know what? Though, like Nellie... Nellie only eats my bills. 
Nelly only eats tests I have bad grades on. Okay. Like, like I, I think Nelly's just like, out to protect. But Harry sees the black dog, which is serious, sitting oh, with Crookshanks. I've, I've got it. I've got it. Okay. Okay. Crookshanks is a cat owned by Hermione Granger. Shows that Crookshanks is far more intelligent than the average cat. Crookshanks' intelligence can only be inferred to being the product of a crossbred with a kniesel. Whoa. Being a half-cat, Crookshanks is always armed and is clearly not afraid to use his teeth and claws when he feels need. <laughs> when Hermione first bought Crookshanks, the witch at the Magical Menagerie told her that he had been there for quite a while. The implication being that few other witches and wizards were interested in him. And I think it's because he's a half-cat. Half kniesel? But I, I, yeah, half kniesel. What's what, a kniesel? What the fuck is a kniesel? And why is this literally the first time I've heard this? Like, I just feel like kniesel, there, I felt like there kniesel, had to be something different. Like, kniesels are small creatures that look like large cats, but have sprouted fur, large eels, <laughs> large eels. <laughs> small creatures that look like large cats, but have small fur, large ears, and a tail like a lion. An independent, intelligent creature capable of aggression, which is shows occasionally. A kniesel will make a great pet if it likes you. Oh. Only if it like. Oh, so Nellie's a kniesel. Kind of, yeah. It should be relied upon to guide its owner home if she should get lost. Oh, Nellie's a kniesel. <laughs> there you go. The more you know. Yeah. So That's it's actually really interesting. interesting. <laughs> yeah, so it says there's no mention of Kniesels in the principal seven books. So there's no mention that of the possibility that Crookshanks might be a hybrid. Okay. But it is true that in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Crookshanks acts far more intelligent than an ordinary cat. And introducing the hybrid idea, even if it is done after the fact, may be necessary to explain the intelligence. That makes sense. Okay, yeah, because I was literally like, there has to be something else with this cat. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, that's all I got for Remember All. Segment six, spew. This is the segment that we discuss any social issues that appear in the books. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Um, okay, so we're going into spew, and I only had one comment, and this is actually, normally when I take notes, I just write, like, one little thing to, like, spark my memory. I wrote a whole paragraph for this. <laughs> So I'm going to read it. Hopefully it's not awkward because I suck at reading, but whatever. Um, Okay. okay. I believe in you. We're just going to go. I feel like Hermione is learning a hard lesson about justice. She works so hard researching and teaching Hagrid what to say in hopes that she can bring about justice. But much like the real justice system, it does not always see justice through. You grow up thinking that if someone is convicted of something, they must be guilty. And if someone isn't, they're clearly innocent. But we know that that just is not true. Our justice system has many flaws. And it is only as good as the culture and community that we have around us. If we believe certain stereotypes about marginalized individuals, that carries into the courtroom. If we don't believe survivors um, or believe myths about sexual assault, that carries into the courtroom. Haggard is perceived a certain way. He is uneducated and a half-giant. This informs Lucius Malfoy what he should think about Hagrid, Hagrid's teaching, and what happened to his son. 
then Malfoy uses his position of power to influence what happens in the justice system. This is exactly what happens in our own justice system. That's a good paragraph. <laughs> That's, yeah, no, I agree with all of your points. You were saying that Hermione's trying so hard to make, make people see the truth and what happened. Yeah. Or um, an equitable version of what happened mm-hmm. when, in fact, the justice system, definitely in Canada, absolutely in the States, even mm-hmm. harshly more so in other countries, is, is so white or black and white. And it's just like, nope, you did this or I think this. And because I think this about you, even regardless of it's true or not, that's the way it is. And I think that it's yeah. sad, but I think you're very spot on that Hermione's and living like, some pe- Just like how like Buckbeak and Hagrid have already lost before they even go into the like trial, people mm. people have already lost before they go into trials sometimes, even when they're innocent in, a, in our current justice system. Or people or, don't see their own justice through because people believe myths about certain subject matters that are, you know. I took, um, in one of my classes, I did a, we did a poverty challenge, which is available to educators, I believe. Um, but the, just, the, the premise of it is you go and you try to fulfill tasks given to you by um social services that are up to date Mm -hmm. and i was a single mother who in the course i was a single mother with two kids and i was trying to get my custody back but the only way i could do that was by going to the hospital the only mental health option i was given was to be um admitted for two months of treatment and it was so frustrating because my conditions of getting my kids back was to do the hospital treatment but by doing that hospital treatment my kids would have the would it, there's no winning there's yeah. no winning sometimes and i think i related um buckbeak's trial and hermione trying so hard is to to that because mm-hmm. sometimes like you go in and it's just stacked against you and there's nothing you can do or say about it yeah literally and so i found it i find it really interesting that like a I never looked at it from this lens before and now like a lot of my own actual like opinions and beliefs that I couldn't even really trace back to where I got them from. I was like, holy shit. Like they're right here in this book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. Okay. Here we are. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. It, It makes me sad because I feel like that moment that Hermione is having is just, it's a very hard moment for a lot of people. And I remember, like, coming to those terms a lot, like, before, being like, oh, okay. So, like, people can go to jail when they're innocent, and people can get off when they're guilty. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Just look at your social economic status, and there you go. Yeah, because if you're, like, a, like, well-educated white dude, then you have so much promise, and we can't put you in jail for a long period of time for... <sighs> Polly's just dumping the bottle of wine into her. Do you all know? So we're going to move on to happier <laughs> Segment seven, Expecto Patronum. We dig deep and find the happiest moments from the chapters at hand. Clearly, we have have to dig very deep because this book is depressing as fuck. (laughs) And it's the pandemic. Literally. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) 
So when Harry is in the hospital wing. Yes. Ginny makes him a card. She like hand makes him a get well card. And I think yeah. it's so cute. Uh-huh. Apparently it won't stop singing and he has to hide it under something. I love that so much. Right? Oh my god, I love that for you. It's really cute. I love that. Something that made me happy was when Hagrid called um, Ron and Harry out on not being very nice or fair to Hermione. Yeah. Oh, fucking power to you, Hagrid. Like, someone needed to tell them that they were being Mm -hmm. fucking dicks. Like, look, I understand. I I get it. Like, they were allowed to, like, feel upset, but not for that long. Like, I mean, I guess, sorry. Your, your feelings are real, and they, they can last for as long as you want them to. But to take that out on one of your best friends for as long as they did, almost an entire school year, is just too much for me. Like, Unacceptable. I do find that there were moments where Harry did try to go and check in with Hermione a couple times, and she really shut him down. And there is a certain point where it's like, okay, I tried to come and check on you, and you're shutting me down like he's also a kid he's not gonna think like to keep doing it (laughs) like but like ron was so it was just so extra like (laughs) he's so extra i can't like i can't with him he's like harry literally describes it at one point being like he he thinks that like hermione and ron's friendship is over yeah that's a little bit much like i know kids kids have very real very strong feelings and i feel like i feel like i feel like it's fair for harry to think that if ron is being that awful to hermione 100 percent, yeah like i think that's a that's a fair conclusion i think it's also harry doesn't have a stable family unit and he's created a chosen family unit and Mm -hmm. the idea of someone leaving that chosen family unit would be devastating 100 percent and I think that that's probably why Harry goes to, like, check on her at certain points. Like, and that's why that, that's not as, like, deep, seat, deep like, rooted in him, right? Like, yeah. Like, well, yeah. I don't have that many people in this world who care about me, so I need to go and, like, make sure she's okay. Like, yeah, because I, I also care about her. Like, I yeah. find throughout the book series, Harry and Hermione's friendship to be so lovely. Like, I know that, like, there there are just a lot of times throughout the book series where Harry, like, does that, where he goes and tries to, like, check on her, you know? Like, I know, like, in the movie, they made it kind of romantic. You know that one scene in the one movie where, like, Hermione's, like, crying and she's really upset and then she's got, like, the... Oh, bird. yeah. But, like, th- that happens in the books, but it's not a romantic thing. Like, it's not, like, a love triangle. No. It's, it always feels very much like he's just, like, they're, like, good platonic friends and... They care about each other. And it's so nice to see, like, a cute platonic friendship between a boy and a girl. (laughs) Yeah. They exist, everyone. It's it's okay. Tweet at us if you think they don't. Um, But they do. Hogsmeade sounds like it's the cutest place in the world. I want to go so bad. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, actually, you can. (laughs) No, I can't. It's a pandemic. Oh, yeah. When it's done. We should totally plan a trip and go to harry potter world at some point when this is all over (laughs) we're gonna go i want to (laughs) go um i felt like 
J.K. Rowling did a really good job of putting a lot of details into Hogsmeade. Like, there's all these names for different types of sweets and, like, yeah. so much vibrant description of, like, this little place. And it's so cute. I love it. All cute. <laughs> oh, okay. I really, really respect Hermione for telling McGonagall about the firebolt. Because at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do. Also, she was going to find out about the firebolt eventually, and she was going to be like, yo, Harry, how did you get this firebolt? Yeah. It's very yeah. short-sighted of Ron and Harry to think she wasn't going to question it. Um, but just in general, like, if you think about it as a friend, Hermione has watched Harry get chased by a bludger. She's watched him fall off his broom and almost, like, die. It's like, okay, he's had some serious, like, Quidditch injuries or serious Quidditch moments where it was really dangerous. And then you're talking about he got a magical, mysterious broom. Yeah, well, we don't know where it came from. Like, yeah. that, that's... While someone might want to kill him. So I just, I, I really that's respect it. her for that. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, little Hermione. <laughs> I approve. I think Lupin is a really, really incredible teacher and mentor to Harry. Um, it says, basically in the books, it says that he was searching the school for another Bogart so that he could teach Harry how to do the Patronus charm. And I just thought that was really cute. That's like going so above and beyond. That level of dedication is so nice to see. Lupin finds out that Harry has the Marauder's map. He's like, he's not angry at him. He's disappointed. And that is like... That's a key mob moment right there. Right? Like, I'm not angry. Just disappointed. Oh, which is like so much worse. It's so oh, much so worse. much so effective. Ordinary wizarding levels. We close our podcast by talking about any questions we've had about the content. Last segment. Ordinary wizarding levels. Okay, I got two questions for you. Why do you think Lupin, after all those years, never tells anyone that Sirius is an illegal animagus and can change into a dog? Do you think he always thought that Sirius might be innocent, or...? I feel like you'd always think that of your friends. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it was, like... your best friends. Like, you'd be, like, there could be a way, but not... I think ignorance in that case might be bliss. Yeah. I could see not telling anyone while he was in Azkaban... But yeah. after he broke out of Azkaban, you would seriously question it because obviously the reason why it's so hard for them to find him is because he's a fucking dog all the time. No, he's a shit disturber. He stands up for his students. He's a shit disturber. All teachers who stand up for their students are generally, that's a broad, that's a bold, broad statement, but I'm going to say it because it's true on some level. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> okay. So my last question is... If you were in Harry's position and you were gifted the Marauder's Map, would you use it to get into Hogsmeade? I'd you are 13. Oh, no, I'd be terrified. I'd sit and watch it for hours. Me as a 13-year-old? No way. I'd be like, oh, this is cool. Monitor people's patterns and like figure that out. And maybe after like a year? I don't know. Would you? Um, I don't... Listen, I think teenage me... Well, 13-year-old me, no. I was very anxious. No, I wouldn't have snuck out of school. Like, maybe 16-year-old me. Oh, yeah. 60, absolutely. No questions asked. Um, Not if there was, like, a mass murderer after me. Definitely not. But, like, just in general, I would have. 
definitely oh. you know but under the circumstances that harry's under no um but i also think i would have also been very very stressed about why peter Pettigrew was on the map i would have probably fixated on that i would have been like who is this person and then once i knew that name i would have been like why is peter Pettigrew here anyways that's all i got oh <laughs> god Bye, everyone. Bye. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any thoughts, feelings, concerns, or comments on anything we've said on the podcast, be sure to send in text or audio submissions. You can do this on any of our social media accounts or directly to our email address. Be sure to follow us on Tumblr at cauldroncakesandwine.tumblr.com or on Instagram at ccandwine. Or you could email us at cauldroncakesandwine at gmail.com or check out our website, cauldroncakesandwine.com. And be sure, of course, to like, subscribe, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening to this podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.